today on Mother Mayhem. You all, you can't be afraid of your mom going silent or pulling the no contact card herself. That threat is a weapon she uses. All of these moms use it when they're doing it to keep all of you in line. She isn't playing that card because she wants a relationship with you. She's playing that card because she wants to elicit a certain reaction from you. Welcome back to Mother Mayhem, the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Podcast for Daughters. Hi, I'm your host, Heather Gray, and I've really been looking forward to digging my teeth into today's episode. It's a what to say when episode. What do you say when a narcissist says a narcissistic thing? We have two listeners submitted letters that allow us to tackle this topic from a couple of different angles. Before diving in, though, I want to clarify something about the scripts that I'm offering all of you in these tricky situations. When I am offering you words, what I'm really trying to do is teach you how to think about these situations. People get stuck in fight, flight, or freeze when dealing with narcissists. All of you already know that because all of you have already been there before. Trauma brain kicks in in those moments. And once that happens, you're navigating people-pleasing and perfectionism while also trying to dodge the guilt and the shame that your mother so often brings to these situations. Then, as a result, your inner critics start kicking up and they kick up something fierce. Usually, all this does is put you in the passenger seat of your relationships with your mother, but also in the passenger seat of these conversations and interactions. You're stuck responding to what she says, what she doesn't say, what she does, or what she doesn't do, and then you find yourselves there thinking that there's a right answer or a right thing to say that's going to keep her calm or prevent her from being upset with you. But here's the thing, whether we're dealing with narcissists or not, there is absolutely no way to guarantee that someone is not going to be upset with us. There is no such thing as a therapeutically perfect script that can offer us that. All we can try to do is communicate as transparently as possible. If you listened to last week's episode where I did the holiday rundown and offered strategies for navigating the holiday season, you know that I spent a lot of time encouraging all of you to stay neutral when managing your moms. You want to be brief, concise, and to the point. I get asked a lot about how to avoid taking the bait. The best way to avoid taking the bait is to not try to explain yourself, not to try to defend yourself, and not to take attacks on you or your behavior as truth. When I first started the show in those first episodes, I taught all of you about what it actually means when we say someone has narcissistic personality disorder. It's important to remember here as we enter this conversation today. Because narcissists, they look at their world 
through a fractured lens, a permanently fractured lens. They see it in terms of how things affect them and their needs. And it's so important to remember that the way they see things is true for them. So arguing with them about their perspective becomes this exercise in total futility. But also, you can't accept their interpretation of events as your reality. Their lens is broken, remember? So they might accuse you of never calling, even though you talk to them every other day. They may talk about being last on your list, even though you move heaven and earth for them. They might call you lazy, ungrateful, or criticize you in a myriad of ways. What they say about you does not have to become your own truth. And there's no way of changing that story. Sometimes they actually think it, or sometimes it's just the button they know they can press to get you to jump and dance the way they need you to. Early in my career as a therapist, I worked with this woman, and her husband had OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. He perceived risk and threat and danger and so many things. And this was because his lens was broken. And they had an agreement in their marriage when she would say to him, trust my lens, and he would simmer down. Hopefully, you all have someone in your life whose lens you trust. This isn't always about being right and your mom always being wrong. We all do screw up in relationships sometimes. The problem when we're in a relationship with a narcissist, though, is that their perception is so skewed that they will always think the problem is you. They will never think the problem is them. And then after years of hearing that messaging, your brain gets programmed to think that you're always at fault and then you're wired to prevent such conflicts. That's why it's so hard for all of you to know what to say in these situations. Anytime you're doubting yourself, seek out that counsel of the person whose lens you trust to tell you the truth. First, we have Tammy, and I want to read you Tammy's stories. I'm 61, and this week I stumbled upon the term NPD, read about it, showed it to my husband to get his opinion, and he checked off almost all boxes for the characteristics a daughter of a narcissistic mother might have. And he did the same with my mom's list of characteristics of an NPD mother. Wow. So now I know this has not been my imagination, and it's not all my fault even though I apologize to everyone for everything, so there is that piece. Without knowing that the issue might be my mom all these years, except knowing something is wrong with her, I've lived all my years since my teens or so to strive to be nothing like my mom, and I've created a life the exact opposite of her life. That has worked great for me in terms of my successes and career, and life in general, thanks to my dad, my husband, my son, and again, the desire to be the exact opposite of my mom. My mom is starting to get dementia now, was on Zoloft for a couple of years after surgeries, and for the first time in my life, she was actually pleasant to be around. 
I visited regularly, trying to keep her brain active. She has a tendency to simply sit or sleep all day, vegging out. But she stopped taking Zoloft early this year so that, in her words, (laughs) she was able to feel outrage again. She thrives on anger and worry and arguing. She was a lawyer in her adult life, and I'm convinced it's because she loves to argue. So now I don't want to be around her. I don't want to visit, and after I do visit, the minute I leave her apartment building, I can finally breathe. Now I know why. So with this new knowledge, after 61 years of dealing with this person, I simply need some coping mechanisms with how to respond to her if and when I visit again. For example, when she accuses me of, say, lying to her because I don't tell her everything about my life, Omission is lying to her. What do I say back to her? No, I don't share most things with her on purpose because she uses anything I might say as a weapon against me at a later date. I know that me getting upset fuels her fire. She actually smiled when I was getting upset at our last visit last weekend, so I left before it went any further. Nor does arguing work. She's always right. What's a good exit strategy in that case? Just, I gotta go and walk out with her yelling after me? Bottom line, how do I interact with her if and when I visit again? Oh, Tammy, I really felt that. What it must be like for you to be in a room with your own mom who takes glee in being able to poke at you. That is, (laughs) that's so hard and so unpleasant to be around. Just as a side note, as everybody's listening, one of the things that comes up for me in Tammy's letter is that, like, she had Zoloft and then suddenly she was incredibly pleasant. Can my narcissistic mom just go on Zoloft and not be narcissistic again? No, it doesn't work that way. Medication can sometimes work to alleviate or diminish or decrease mood symptoms or mood irregularity in a way, but it doesn't change that fractured lens. So it might help people respond differently, but it's not going to help them see the world differently. So then as a result, they still act and move through the world with that fractured lens. It's usually just more of a dimmed response. I don't want people thinking that they can just work to medicate their moms and then the narcissism goes away. It doesn't work like that. But also, too, I want to do I do want to get back to your letter here, Tammy. Here it goes. Uh, first, I want you to take a moment and I want you to do a gut check with yourself. I want you to get really still and clear with yourself about your why. When I ask this, everybody's eyes are probably rolling at the same time. I think a lot of us hate that question. But I do want you to pause and think about something right now. Why are you still seeing your mom when she berates you? What is your motivation for checking the box that you visited, even though she's shown you repeatedly that what's in it for her is watching your uneasiness? And I've asked this question of people so often, and I recognize that there's no way I actually get to ask that question without sounding a little bit like an asshole. But I promise you, I'm not asking you to be an asshole or to sound like one. I'm saying it because we all stay with toxic people and in toxic relationships 
for all kinds of reasons. And when we choose to stay with toxic or near toxic or in the company of toxic, we have to be crystal clear with ourselves and honest with ourselves about the choice we're making and why we are making it. Those of you who are staying in contact with your mom have to be honest with yourselves. My mom is emotionally limited. She's incapable of being in a relationship with me that meets my expectations. I'm choosing to stay in contact with her because I don't want her to, for example, die alone. I'm staying in contact with her because cutting her off means cutting my father off. Your reason might be a values-based reason and might be based on how you see your family or your role in your family. It might be because she's gatekeeping people in your life. That's an issue that we're tackling next week. But whatever your reason for staying in touch and staying connected and in relationship with your mom, you have to be clear with yourselves about this. My mom is this way. She's always going to be this way. By definition, that is what it means to have a personality disorder. While some people do learn ways of overcoming some of their tendencies, very few people follow through on everything they need to do to manage the way they see the world differently. And so by and large, we have to assume your mom isn't going to get better, especially in your case, Tammy, where she's now managing dementia. And I always wish with my clients that demented narcissists, because as narcissists get older, they do live with dementia. I really do wish they could forget they were narcissists, but I have yet to see it actually work like that, which is so unfortunate. What I want you doing here, Tammy, is getting ahead of the choice. I am seeing my mother because my value is XYZ. This way, visiting her is not something that's happening to you. You are not trapped. You could skip going today or you could skip going altogether. Either way, you looked at your options and you opted to go so she hasn't trapped you. You have chosen to go. This visit is not something happening to you. You have chosen it because it's a reflection of who you want to be and how you want to move through the world. She isn't winning in getting you to go. You thought about it and decided to go. You won by being honest and sticking true to yourself and your values. Then you remind yourself, she's a narcissist. She's going to say narcissistic things. I'm not going to be surprised. I know what she's going to say. I know how she's going to act. She's going to talk and act like a narcissist. My job is to not react and to stay neutral. Now, you might have all heard about this gray rock technique when working with narcissists. And basically what that means is you are working at being duller than dirt when you're in the company of your mothers. You aren't offering information. You aren't trying to entertain. You aren't offering ammunition. You are just being the gray rock in the room. And I have to tell you, I roll my eyes when we start naming the techniques involved with managing narcissists. I think that gives narcissists entirely too much power. 
but it is also an easy way to describe a way of responding to the kind of nonsense that narcissists can bring to our lives. You're going to visit your mom, Tammy, and you're going to armor up with reminders that her words aren't about you. Maybe you'll come up with a couple of conversation starters for what you're willing to share or what you're willing to talk about so that she doesn't poke too much or ask too many questions. Then when she starts like acting like herself, and we know she will, and she accuses you of lying, you say, I know you think it's lying when I choose not to tell you things. I'm still choosing to maintain my privacy, though. I am willing, though, to talk to you about this book I read, this restaurant I went to, or XYZ. Would you like hearing about those things? If she says no, you can ask her if she has any stories she wants to share. If she goes on the attack, you say something like, Thanks, Mom, for the visit. I'm going to get going now. And if she protests or gets you know, argumentative, you say, yeah, I know I'm leaving early. That kind of disappoints me too. We couldn't find things to agree on that we wanted to talk about. So continuing the visit seems forced. Maybe we'll do better next week. I'll call the day before to see if you're feeling up to it. Another thing I've suggested at times of attack would be to say something like, I know you wish I shared more, and that fact that I don't tell you things makes you feel like I'm lying to you. I still do prefer my privacy, though, even though I know it can be hurtful. Would you rather I just leave? Narcissists go after you because they expect you to, to then go like chasing after them for their approval. This is the dance, remember? They have this patterned way of being with you, you then have this patterned way of responding to them. But by changing the pattern and letting them know you aren't afraid of being cut off, that you understand being cut off or being asked to leave, you neutralize the weapon and say, I understand. I'll be going now. I wouldn't want to upset you any further. And I know I'm not changing my mind on this. Here's something for all of you listening. Any time you are considering using a script I am suggesting, you first want to check on something, and this is crucial. You want to ask yourselves, is this true for me? We all know at this point that I have a little bit of sass to my approach, and how I word things may not feel true for you. They may also feel entirely too direct. Please don't ever think you have to say something that you don't think is true for you or in a way that isn't true for you just because I said to. Because again, remember, there is no perfect, therapeutically perfect script. That includes the ones I offer. More than my wording here, what I'm really trying to get all of you to work on is how you think about these situations and how you start to work through them yourselves and how you reconsider your stories about them and how you might look at these things from a different angle and perhaps look at some of these conversations through my lens rather than the lens that tells you you did it wrong, you didn't show up perfectly, etc., etc., etc. We all know the stories you can create about all the ways you suck in these situations. My lens offers you a different take on that, and I would encourage you 
to trust my lens a little bit, but don't use my words unless they feel true for you too. I want all of you to start thinking differently. I want you to be less afraid of conflict, less afraid of not being the good girl. I want all of you to be connecting to your truth, but I want you to own the truth about yourself so strongly that when she starts to say you're lying or you're selfish, you can laugh at the absurdity of it all because you know it isn't true. Tammy and all of you, keep listening because next up we've got Julie. Here's Julie's situation. I started listening to your podcast at the suggestion of a friend. The word narcissist had never entered my mind in regards to my mom. And although I'm not sure it applies, some of the traits you describe do appear to line up. I'm the firstborn daughter of an alcoholic father and a mother who has suffered mental health issues. My parents divorced when I was seven, so my younger siblings and I were raised by a single mom who worked outside the home with little support from family. I would normally categorize my relationship with my mom as close, but I've always felt the need to be the dutiful, good daughter to keep her happy with me. My mother and I recently suffered a rift in our relationship after working together for several days cleaning a vacant apartment. At times, her words, her tone of voice, and her body language were hurtful to me, but I said little and kept working. I hustled around to complete tasks, afraid that I might be in the way of what she wanted to do, afraid she might think I was taking too long, of being too much of a perfectionist, or that I was doing something I wanted to do, but that she did not feel needed to be done. Near the end of the last day, she said something that triggered me, and I regret to say I shot back a hurtful response that shocked her. A short time later, I made an awkward attempt to clear the air and smooth out the uncomfortable interaction. I expressed my hurt feelings at things she had said. She replied that I was being defensive, that my inner child was hearing a tone in her voice that didn't exist. I couldn't contain my emotions. I raised my voice a few times and she did the same. Although I apologized for what I said and did that I believed had hurt her, she ended up turning away and refusing to respond to me for the whole 30-minute drive home. As we went our separate ways, she did not look at me, speak to me when I said goodbye, and we had no communication for over a week. We usually visit with each other on Saturdays, but that first Saturday came and went without any contact from her. The next Saturday, I received a text from her asking me to stop by so we could talk and get past this. She greeted me with a smile as if nothing were wrong. She asked, so where are we? I said, I don't know, mom, because you weren't talking to me. She offered to tell me what she was thinking, and I listened without interrupting. She said that when I didn't contact her last Saturday, that I was sending a big message. She continued by saying that all she had in her heart for me was love and acceptance and that the problems we had at the apartment resulted from me misunderstanding and misinterpreting her. She finished by saying that going forward, she would live in fear of saying or doing the wrong thing around me. I then shared my perspective. When I repeated something hurtful she had said, she responded that she had never said that, or she didn't say it that way. 
When I challenged some of her actions or her comments, she suggested that I had misunderstood and she meant nothing by them. She said she'd only been worried about me at the apartment, concerned that my OCD tendencies were in control. Our discussion became painful and difficult, sometimes including raw emotions and long silences. We never learned how to express our painful emotions in a healthy way with one another. At one point, I quietly admitted that I had been afraid of her my whole life. Terribly hurt, she asked if she was supposed to accept that. After two hours, we ended up agreeing to get together next Saturday to continue talking through our difficulties. That next Friday, I received a text from her saying, unless we're having a family get-together, let's skip our Saturday visits for a while. I responded that I felt it was important for us to continue talking to get past this. She said she agreed, but that she was just not ready. That was two weeks ago, and there's been no communication between us. We have some family birthday celebrations coming up, but I don't want to go and pretend everything's okay. I feel like I made a mistake speaking honestly and being my authentic self with my mom. I should have continued to play the role I've always played to keep the peace because not doing so results in this excruciating limbo that affects my entire family. I'm struggling with the difference between reality and what my perception of events are. Perhaps I'm perceiving things through a distorted lens, and she's right that I attacked her, and she's the wounded party. Are my feelings valid even though they're not based on an accurate assessment of events, but on my distorted perception of events? Do I need to stop being so hypervigilant and oversensitive? I appreciate your feedback. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. Oh, Julie, 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 I hope you heard the way I read that letter. I did it very deliberately because I wanted you hearing me calling your mother out for the nonsense that she was spewing your way. And I know that it's been a while since you wrote in with this question and the circumstances have probably very likely changed in that time. And I, I so hope, Julie, that you've gotten some support through this in that time and that perhaps even some of the episodes of the show that have come out since then were able to fill in for me while you've been waiting for my response here. I also hope, in all honesty, that you can hear the collective response from the audience of fellow daughters listening in on this, because I promise you, if you could hear them, you would hear them shouting at their phones and at their gadgets, Julie, no, you did nothing wrong with speaking your truth. <laughs> Clark, my editor for this show, is probably like, what the fuck, Heather? You just screamed into your microphone. <laughs> it's okay, Julie. I'm with you. You did nothing wrong by calling your mom out. You were playing the perfectionist, dutiful daughter, and it stopped working for you. You could feel it in your body that swallowing your truth wasn't going to be the answer that day. So you spoke your mind and that was the exact right thing to do, even if it came out messy and left you with a bit of a mess to clean up. You just heard me tell Tammy earlier that you all, you can't be afraid of your mom going silent or pulling the no contact card herself. That threat is a weapon she uses. All of these moms use it when they're doing it to keep all of you in line. She isn't playing that card because she wants a relationship with you. She's playing that card because she wants to elicit a certain 
reaction from you. Think about what that behavior is telling you, though. If she's acting in that way, she is now showing you in word and in action that she's incapable of engaging in a healthy conversation with you, perhaps in a healthy relationship with you, because I know you're on the fence about the whole narcissism thing. She's pulling the silent treatment or threatening to cut you off instead of talking to you like a grown-up. All of you, your biggest challenge in moments just like this is going to be not to care. And I know, I know, I know, I know that it is so much easier said than done, but this is her telling you that she simply can't do it. She can't have the talk. That's actually a gift because trying to have the talk anyway, it just means she's going to end up escalating and she will choose a sharper weapon than her silence in that instance. So if she says we shouldn't talk, disarm the weapon. And you disarm it by saying, thanks so much for letting me know what you think. I agree. Let's not talk for now. Perhaps if one or both of us changes our mind, one or the other can reach out. Now, my husband and I, like just to give you a weird example of this, my husband and I have this weird, contentiously passive-aggressive relationship with our neighbors on one side. We can't stand them. (laughs) But for me, honestly, they are not worth the work of having the conversation with them. We were never friends or never friendly to begin with. So for me, not worth the work. Recently, they raised the fence between our yards. And in all honesty, for both of us, it created weird feelings in our bellies when we saw that, as if suddenly we were the ones who were made to feel not good enough or the problem. And again, in all honesty here, We have no way of knowing why they raised the fence. We have no idea if it was because of something we did, something they thought we might have done, if it was just for a yard feature they want in their own home. Regardless of the reason, we've got that strange feeling in our bellies. Now, they might mention the fence if we run into them. I don't know if they will. They might not. I've decided, though, that if they do mention it, I'm going to say, wow, what a great idea. Of course we saw it. Thank you for taking the initiative to do that. You made it so we didn't even have to think about it. I hope you like it and that you guys are happy with the results on your side too. Now, we don't know Jack about why they did what they did. All we know is they raised the fence and they didn't talk to us about it. And that seems weird for us for neighbors to do. But whatever the reason, we're not giving it energy. And now we have a planned response. That is how I want all of you thinking about these things. If your mom is using the silent treatment, cutting off the relationship, implying you are unacceptable, she is showing you that she can't do healthy. She can't have the conversation. The best and the best thing you can do is get on with the business of healing. I'm sure now that some time has passed here, Julie, you can hear some of your questions out loud. And perhaps you might also be able to hear how your trauma brain had full control when you were writing that letter. 
you went into overdrive trying to find the right answer, trying to fix it, and trying to make it better. Here's the thing in these kinds of instances, though. There is no way we can make it better all on our own. We can't fix it. And unfortunately, one of those manipulative tools that narcissists use to make these situations happen in their favor is they create these circumstances and then they don't allow them to be fixed. They want you to feel so unacceptable to them that you cower, that you change back to how and who you were before the conflict. And we know that isn't possible. They do their pattern thing and they want you doing your pattern thing. But in that moment, your brain went into fight, flight, or freeze. And the only thing you could think about was making it so your mom wasn't mad at you. That's your trauma brain telling you that the worst thing about this situation is if your mom is mad at you. However, I have to be honest here. Part of why I think this actually happened for you is that trauma brain took the day off a little bit. (laughs) It took a break that day. Wise mind started to enter your story and your space for you. As a reminder, trauma brain is always going to wire us for protection. We see everything as a risk or as a threat, and so we say anything and do anything possible that will move us back to our perceived safety. Wise mind is that healthy connection between our thoughts and our feelings. Your wise mind probably knew, Julie, that this whole day was a setup. You could feel her amping up. You knew you hadn't even done anything wrong, but still you knew it was going to be one of those days when she blamed you regardless. Wise mind was trying to armor you up a bit, but wise mind is new to you. You didn't quite know how to use it yet, what to do with it, or how to trust it. And all of that, Julie, makes sense to me. Your response and how all of this went for you really does make sense to me. And here's how I might encourage you to think about it. In moments when there's conflict, I do like to own my part. While none of us listening to your story, Julie, are totally convinced (laughs) that you were indeed hurtful and inappropriate with her, It is clear that you felt a loss of control in your response, that you didn't feel like you had consciously chosen to stand up for yourself. And making that choice consciously is super important when we're trying to take ownership of our truth and our own expectations. If you do feel like you have moved right or left of your own moral center, not the center that your mom is defined, You might want to say, Mom, I lost control. I had a reaction to what you said, and my response only escalated an already tense day. I wish I had been more cautious and careful. Pointing out what she did, why it was inappropriate, or how she was creating that eggshell feeling, it's only going to open you up to further attack or further debate. I don't often try to call toxic people out on their behavior, Because after all, they're only going to be known to act toxically, right? Instead, in these moments, I state my boundary. Mom, it's been a long day. I think we should call it. If she asks why, 
Just say that you've taken the day as far as you can. And if you can't get out of it, if you're not ready to play that card, just go quiet. Work on reminding yourself to not react. Remind yourself that you have your own back, that she is who she is, and talk to the little girl in you. Let her hear anything you think she needs to hear in that moment. It's a great opportunity to do some inner child work. Whatever you want the little girl in you to know in those kinds of situations, start practice telling her those things. Start practice treating her that way because in doing so, you will likely get yourself out of those difficult and painful situations. Julie, I really didn't make it a secret as I was reading your letter what I thought of how that whole day went down. And so hopefully you heard me and all of us listening jump to your defense when she played that really condescending card and made it about you being too sensitive and how she didn't do anything. It was only your interpretation of it all. So many women in this conversation around the world with you, Julie, they've all heard the exact same thing. I remember my stepmother growing up was like, I bet you're going to cry now. I was totally the sensitive kid growing up. And you know what? I am a sensitive adult now. I cry all the time. And I'm going to be honest with all of you when I say I like that I cry all the time because it means that I feel my feelings and I see them through so no one can weaponize my tears because I like them about me. When I'm called out for being sensitive or dramatic or anything of the like, I just totally agree. In this situation, you might want to think about saying something like, of course, mom, I'm sensitive. I do feel things and I like feeling things. I suppose that does set me up to be hurt every once in a while, but I'm okay with it. You don't think you did anything wrong and it's just me being sensitive? Okay, I'm going to go now. If she asks why you're leaving, you're going to say, like you said, mom, I'm sensitive. I don't like the tone you're using with me or how you're talking to me. It's my sensitivity, so it's on me to deal with. I'm going to go deal with it by leaving. See what I did there, my friends? I'm disarming the weapon. You're right, mom. I'm just sensitive. I should just go. You're cutting off her oxygen supply when you do this. You're removing yourself from the argument. You're removing yourself from the room. You're removing yourself from her and you aren't arguing with her. You're agreeing with her. So in my best Taylor Swift, <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Here's what I also want you to know about your sensitivity and as a way of thinking about it. You do want to be grateful for it. All of you probably manage feeling sensitive and all of you have some work to do on increasing your gratitude for your sensitivity. How wonderful is it that you are all so sensitive, that you feel things, that you experience things, that you connect to things, and that you find meaning in things. How lucky for all of us that we have no clue what it is like to move through the world like 
them, thinking that the only way people will like us is if they manipulate them into liking us. How grateful we should be that we're capable of relating and connecting. We may not know what the fuck we're doing with it sometimes, and we might have to keep trauma brain in check a time or two, but how wonderful that we get hurt and we feel pain because honestly, my friends, that also means that we get to feel joy and happiness. Narcissists, they can't do that. They just can't do the bad feelings or a better way of saying that probably would be to say it's not just the bad feelings they can't do. They can't do good feelings either. They miss out on all of that. Like I said earlier, people in my life are going to tell you I cry all the time. Better to cry because I'm able to connect than cry because I can't. That's a good one. I'm going to say that one again. Better to cry because I am capable of connecting than to cry because I can't. That's how I see it. And that's how I'm going to encourage all of you to see it too. Next week, my friends, it's really going to be a gut punch. I'm actually taking a lot of deep breaths as I even think about recording it and how I want to have this really hard conversation with all of you. But we're going to be talking about what we do when narcissistic moms gatekeep important people. They might be keeping you from your fathers, your aging grandparents, younger siblings, or other family members. A lot of times, narcissistic moms take advantage of people's disability or special needs or aging or health as a way of keeping you in contact with them. They use those sensitivities and other loved ones as a way of keeping you close. I get these letters all the time. The pain in these situations as real as anything we've been talking about yet. And I'm really hoping that I'm going to help all of you find your way through that too. Always remember, you guys, you have a community of women around the world who are in this with you. I'm even daydreaming a little bit here. I've been actually, if I'm going to be honest, daydreaming a lot these days that maybe next year we all take this thing and make an online community for all of you to really come together and heal together. We're not there yet. But each important conversation that we're having, each connection we're making, maybe we're getting one step closer to doing it. All of you are in this together, and I'm in it with you too. Bye for now. I'm so grateful that you're here. You're right where you're supposed to be. At its heart, I'm hoping to use this show to build a community of women working together to heal from childhoods marked by maternal narcissism and emotional neglect. My goal for Mother Mayhem is that this show becomes an advice and mentoring-driven show where you share your questions, struggles, and stories, and I offer you direction for healing and recovery. That can't happen without your contributions. I invite you to send a recorded voice memo or write in an email with your questions and things you're struggling with. You can always find me over at heather at daughtersnpd.com. To connect further, I invite you to find me over at Instagram and occasionally on TikTok at daughtersnpd. 
If you know another woman who needs this conversation in her life, I'm going to ask that you share the show with her. You can help me get the word out with your reviews and social shares of the show, and I hope you'll consider doing so. Special thanks to Heather Clark for editing this show. She's in my head and knows what I meant to say when the words come out backwards. Thanks for your time today. I'm always in it with you. Bye for now.